Rexall Drugstore. You know, I graduated in 65, and we couldn't even go to the drugstore and sit and eat. We could go in there and go up to the counter. Couldn't sit at the counter, but you could go to the end of the counter and tell them what you wanted. So we have always had to struggle. It's more undercover now. It's more hidden, but you can still feel it. I don't care how sweet you say it, prejudice is still alive. And it's going to be alive. But the things that have changed has made it better. And I'm thankful for that. Grab a pick and shovel. Bring your cap and line. Don't forget to fuse it and a dynamite. Put on your knee pad and your safety toe. Oh, we're going to the truck mine where the cold is low. Riding on a lizard. Hello there, and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. And we just heard Lois Thompson sharing memories of the Cavalier Cafe from when she was growing up in Jenkins, Kentucky. In today's episode, we're learning about a new app developed right here in Letcher County that launches this week in conjunction with Jenkins Homecoming Days. The app, Jenkins, a city built on coal, is a virtually guided walking and driving tour. Users are led on the tour by oral history recordings of nine local residents who share memories of 14 different locations throughout the town. The tour highlights the historic industrial architecture and unique stories of the birth, life, and transition of an American coal mining town and its sense of itself as part of a future beyond coal. Apple Shop and the city of Jenkins work together alongside regional and national artists and local community members to produce public art around town and to develop the app. I sat down with project director Elizabeth Barrett and archivist Caroline Rubens to learn more about the history of this project. On a minor show, down on his Elizabeth Barrett and I work at Apple Shop. Um, I've been the project director of um, a work, creative placemaking work in Jenkins, Kentucky. Um, it's called a, the project is called A City Built on Coal, Jenkins, Kentucky. 
And so um, Apple Shop is a nonprofit, uh, got a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. And what we propose to do uh, with that support um, and funding was to create um, a series of large-scale photographic banners for the town of Jenkins, Kentucky. And Jenkins, Kentucky was built by Consolidation Coal Company and basically was established in 1912. And that community had done a lot around their centennial. So when they were 100 years old, uh, there was um, a lot of activity at Jenkins and um, kind of commemorating their history. So we wanted to build upon that, expand that a little bit when we started, um, Apple Shop started the project uh, and did the work in Jenkins, which had to do about its kind of history, its architecture, its present day situation. Because um, as I say, Consolidation Coal Company established the town and then with the decline of coal recently in the Appalachian coal fields, then there was there's a lack of jobs at Jenkins and much of the kind of um, boomtown that it was, it's now um, a much smaller population, less jobs, you know, fewer residents, and so they have transitioned away from coal as their main economy. And so we were also um, uh, doing different activities around sort of what the future might be like with um, students in Jenkins and with the adults, some of the residents of Jenkins, and how they, uh, what they saw as um, where Jenkins may be heading or what's next for the town of Jenkins. Cool. So that was some of it. Great. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and your yeah, connection to the project? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Caroline Rubens, and I'm the archivist at Apple Shop, and I help support this uh, Jenkins project by helping to uh, facilitate access to archival media, uh, a lot of photographs, um, whatever we had in our collections or collections that are already out there that could help support some of the creative placemaking work um, that this project was was conducting in Jenkins. Um, and just in general, basic general support, helping to make things happen, scheduling um, photo portrait shoots for the walking tour app and things like that. So We'll hear more from Elizabeth and Caroline later in this program. But first, let's meet the nine guides who lead us on the walking and driving tour. Todd DePriest, Mayor of City of Jenkins, and uh, live right here in Jenkins. My mom and dad, mom was from Bell County, and dad was from here in Jenkins, and they met in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, I was born in Fort Wayne, and when I was about four years old, my little brother was born, and dad decided he didn't want to raise us in Fort Wayne, so he got on with Bethlehem Mines here, so 43 years I've been here. Somewhere along the lines, I joined the fire department, and people kept talking to me, and I ended up running for city council. And I spent uh, four trips through the city council, and and then uh, run for election for mayor and won it, and here I am. We've got a pretty interesting story in Jenkins of how we got here, the times we've been through, and, and what we're looking to do after this. Uh, you know, we're, we're actively trying to recruit industry and business and, and, and whatever it may be to come to town to, to make it a, a better place to live. And, uh, you know, it'll never be Lexington or Louisville. We don't have enough room to do that, and I don't think I'd want to do that. But, you know... Really, over the years, I've always heard we want to keep our children home. We want to keep our children home. Well, I've got three kids, and I'd love to keep them here. And if they choose something other, that's fine. 
But if if they want to stay here, we want to make it to where they want to be here. Uh, I'm Peggy Bentley, and I'm the librarian at the Jenkins Public Library, and I graduated from Jenkins High School in 1960. I moved here in the year I was in eighth grade, which would have been 1956. See, my dad died when I was four, and we moved back in with my grandparents in Virginia. And my mom lived here, and she and my sister lived here for a period of time. I I was still staying with my grandparents in Virginia in the coal camp over there, which was was a coal camp, not a coal town. The school that we had there, we didn't have indoor bathrooms. They just had a sink with a faucet turned up for you to drink. And the school that was for the first and second grade didn't even have water inside. They had a pump outside still. And the roads were paved up so far, but then above there where a lot of people lived, the roads were not paved. They were just, a lot of times they just put little fine coal and coal dust on the road up through there. And everybody had a little coal house out in the corner of their yard where they put their coal because everybody burned coal, just had coal heaters and burned coal heaters in their houses. And it was just a less sophisticated way of of life, I guess you would say. You know, Jenkins had a swimming pool. We just swimmed in the creek when we were swimming the creek and when we were over and lived over there. Well, I, it was just considered a nicer town and had a lot more things to offer than, you know, a lot of the coal camps did. Jenkins has always been a good place to live, and people are usually friendly and willing to help each other. Sadly, The economy here has dwindled from what it once was, so it's not as prosperous as a community. But uh, there's still a lot of good people here, even though it's an aging population. Uh, My name is Rick Hall. I am from Jenkins, born in Jenkins, and I currently uh, manage the Letcher County Government Channel. I guess you, you start in Letcher County, you would go back to the Bates family. They were the first settlers in Letcher County, as far as as we know. Devil John Wright, he owned the land that we're sitting on here. I am his great-great-grandchild. When I was a young young boy, I would go to my uh, papaw, and he had a book that one of Devil John's sons had written. And it was called the, uh, I believe, The Tall Pine of the Cumberlands. And he told me who Devil John was. And he said, you're going to hear things about this man that may not be so good. But I'm here to tell you that he was a good man. He was a fair man. Times were different. You basically were ruled by who could flash out a pistol first. And it it was really, really almost barbaric. And he helped to bring some peace and semblance to the area. Uh, He was a lawman. Now... I had an issue as I got older with Devil John because he had so many kids. He had so many different women. And I wanted to resolve that issue. It really bothered me. If he, if he wasn't a bad guy, you know, maybe that was his downfall. Well, it turns out that uh, this was right after the Civil War. As a matter of fact, Devil John, when he was 15, fought for the Confederates. Uh, he was captured and later fought for the Union. They made him fight for the Union. Anyway... Uh, because of this war, we lost so many men. Women, it was very common. They did share men back then. And uh, these women knew each other. They would help each other out. Um, 
like I said, it was just a really different time. Well, in the um, Hatfields and McCoy, there was a Devil Ants, you might remember. Devil was a nickname that they would give someone if they were a, quote, bad man, unquote. It is said that this name was given to Devil John because of the outlaws that he would capture. They said, you do not want him on your tail. It's like the devil. He will pursue you endlessly. He will find you, and he will take you in. And, of course, back then you got big rewards when you captured uh, these outlaws. So um, he, uh, he was known as the devil not because he was a bad man, but because uh, the criminals were actually afraid of this uh, lawman. Mary Bentley was one of Devil John's women and who is actually my great-great-grandmother. But anyway, he had crossed over the county line to see her. Well, the people in Pike County just thought he was just uh, committing adultery and that he was married to another woman. They brought charges up against him. Well, he had some uh, folks that he knew in the Kentucky Senate. He actually convinced Letcher County to buy off of Pike County, that little section of land that connected to Letcher County. So then the charges were taken from Pikeville, Kentucky, to Whitesburg, Kentucky, where he had it snuffed out in a heartbeat. Well, as of today, opinions vary, and we will never know whether he was good or whether he was bad. We do know some things. We do know that he never was convicted of any offenses. He was a bootlegger, but he never got convicted of it. And the people that are kin to him, and there are many, where he had 30-some children. I think overall, I'd have to say they, they look fondly upon him. I think in general that people are proud of their heritage here in Jenkins. Jenkins could eventually be like many coal mining towns. It could be gone. There could be nothing here. The people here, they want to make this community continue. It's really a, a cool place to live. When I went to UK and I left here, I was so happy to leave Jenkins. I said, God, I'm getting out of this little bleepity bleep town. But circumstances eventually came to a point that I came back to the mountains around 2000. And when I came back here, I fell in love all over again with the beauty of this place. I forgot how lucky we were to grow up in a place this beautiful. My name is Lois Thompson, Lois Fields Thompson. I live in McRoberts. I am connected to Jenkins because didn't nobody else want us. <laughs> when we were kids, we were here so much of the time. This is where our school was, over behind St. George at Dunham High School. So it was just like another home away from home. Let's see, I'm 69 years old. My parents was here before I was born. My grandfather and my grandmother came here from Alabama to work in the mines. So I've been here. My family's been here for quite a while. Where I lived was the black camp, or the colored camp. They used to call it back then. We were colored. <laughs> And down below us was the white camp. Well, the white kids would come up and play with us all day long. We would go down there and play with them all day long. And even some of their parents, they would feed us. And our parents, when they had it, they would do the same thing. You know, just one big community. If I did something down in the white camp that I shouldn't have, all they had to do was tell my mom. 
my mom had 10 kids, and she made end meet the best that she could. We were poor. I mean, we were dirt poor, but she was strict. I mean, she was stricter than any sergeant in the Army. When I was a kid, I had no time for nothing but babies. I am one of 10 children, the second. So that meant there was eight up under me. I had no time for going anywhere. I was never a teenager. I was always somebody's mama. My baby boy, he's in Buffalo, New York. And my daughter, she's married and lives in Norton, Virginia, which isn't very far. My oldest son is in prison. He was supposed to be out in May. They would not let him out. It was a travesty. I mean, I never seen nothing like that in my life. You talking about the prejudice really ran out? It was nasty. Even by the social services, the lawyer, the judge. Yes, but that was God's plan because he's been truly Holy Ghost feel saved and he's preaching. So I'm just thankful. I got nothing else but praise and thanks for the Lord. Because through it all, I kept the faith. And my child is alive. So that's a blessing by itself. So, yeah, they are gone. And I think I'm about the last of the crazies that's still here. I refuse to move. I like it. I love being here. I'm home. Leave me here. Anybody love the city, I will not kick against you. But I will not live there. I'm country. Leave me in the country. And I'm content. I'm Ked Sanders, uh, born and reared at uh, Mac Roberts, which is was at one time part of the uh, Jenkins system. But even though the boundary of coal was contiguous, the actual towns, uh, Mac Roberts, was separated. I went to school at Mac Roberts through grades one through nine. The school was so crowded here that we we did our freshman year at Mac Roberts, and then came over here as sophomore, junior, seniors, and graduated from Jenkins High School. Since that time, uh, I did like uh, a lot of other people. During that era, uh, there was out migration, and uh, I ended up in Cleveland, Ohio, working in a factory for a period. And then uh, I knew that that was not for me. Uh, I didn't like the north. I didn't like the weather. I didn't like the city. The sun didn't shine right. The wind didn't blow right. And the birds didn't tweet right. So, so I joined the Army with top secret clearance in cryptography. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't know what I was going to be because there was no opportunity for me for college or further education. <clears throat> and very few people had those opportunities during that era. So... Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I would not be a coal miner. The mining industry was, uh, or the economy throughout the United States was in a recession in the, in the late 1950s. And coal mining had become mechanized. And uh, prior to that, you had thousands of coal miners because most of the work was done manually, like loading the coal was loaded by hand with a shovel. Well, when it became mechanized, one loading machine would replace 10 men. So uh, 
the school teachers and parents and so on, they advise the kids, you know, don't ever even think about getting a job in a coal mine. Get your education, leave here, go somewhere, and, and get your education, get you a good job. There's no future here in the coal mining camps. But years later, that, that had changed. The coal mining was starting to pick up again, and it was almost totally mechanized by then. But you, you still had to have uh, men to run the machinery and fix the machinery and install machinery and such. But when I got out of the Army, I came back. There was an opportunity to start working in the coal mine, so it was uh, a, a good job and good pay, union coal mine. So I worked for a period in, in the coal mines, then I got married. My wife was a local girl. Uh, went to Pipewell College one year on a part-time basis and during the day, and then I worked in the coal mine at night. And uh, we did that for a year. Then my wife and I moved to Lexington, eventually got a degree specializing in industrial electricity. So, And I came back and hired back in with the same company I'd worked for before, moved up you know, from laborer to electrician to technician to foreman. But along the way, I uh, got an opportunity to get into the coal mining business, and I stayed in that business for about 15 years. By then, I told my wife, I said, I cannot continue this pace. <laughs> I said, I'm going to apply for a job as a mine inspector, and I worked that until I was 65 years old. So I've, I've been retired 10 years now, and I've stayed busy every day of my life uh, doing something, but I enjoy it every day. I've always felt uh, like this is just a real good place to live, and working for uh, Beth Elkhorn Corporation. I worked at, uh, through my career with them. I'm glad that I uh, chose the mining industry or it chose me or whatever. And if I had to do over, I'd probably do the same thing. My name is Joanne Baldwin. I'm retired from uh, Jenkins Head Start. I was born and raised here. Grandparents came from Budapest, Hungary on my dad's side. The other grandparents on my mom's side came from Butcher Holler in Johnson, you know, county. Where they were immigrants, they were sent to the coal fields here, you know. That's what they had done before, my grandfather did. They couldn't speak English, but they was trying to escape communism, so they decided to make the move. They sent them here because they had the knowledge of coal. And when they brought the coal company in, they needed workers that were experienced. Where I came from, they called it Hunky Row because most of the people that lived there were Hungarians. And so I was called a little hunky, you know, and I didn't mind it, you know. But our neighbors were Czechoslovakia. Then the people down in the area where we lived, and they were from different countries. And everybody was in the same you know, boat, as the old saying goes. I know they came over in a boat, but everybody was in the same boat and everything. They couldn't speak English, and the background they had was coal mining. They needed the people to work because it was a new area that was developing, and they would give you a hard day's work for not much pay because they had no other alternative. Well, the company owned you. You know, uh, I guess you've heard about script. They got paid with script. And what they went to the company's store to get, they just took it off of their pay. The company owned the store. The company owned you. The company owned 
everything around. The old saying, there's a song, I owe my soul to the company store, you know. I guess that's how they kept the workers, you know, they gave them good houses and stuff. But they got paid very little, and what what pay they did get went right back into the company that they was making money. They got their clothes from there, their shoes, their work clothes, food, everything. My mother worked in the store there. My dad was a, a Marine, and when he got out of service, then he, he was a coal miner until he retired. My dad was mayor, oh, three or four times on the city council several times and everything. So I guess that's why I know the history of it. It's a wonderful town. Yes, we have problems just like any other town. We're just a simple, plain town that people love everybody. And if you haven't been here, it's a wonderful place to come and see. There's the Overlook. I'm telling you, we have the scenery. If you haven't seen a sunset on that mountain coming from Pound into Kentucky, you've missed a wonderful sight. Nothing any better than what we've got right there. Yeah, and the mountains, I mean, you can just sit around and all the trees, the wildflowers. In our yard, we have little wild violets all over the place in the summertime. It's just a wonderful place to live. I'm Don Ambergy, the producer of The Little Shepherd of Kingdom Come and some other projects going with it. I moved to Jenkins in uh, the early 60s. Did you say your, your dad was a miner? Yes. Well, he was a coal miner for two years, and he decided it was too rough for him. <laughs> he worked inside. He owned the mine. He was more or less a supervisor, I guess. Often he would load coal, and then for most of his life, he had timber contracts here with Consol at McRoberts and Jenkins. Consol, they built three, McRoberts, Van Leer, and uh, this one. But this was the largest and most complete. See, they took a wilderness here and build it into a first-rate modern town as they were at the times. Addison Williams is my name. I'm 29, and I've been here about six years. When you move into Jenkins, people know you before you know them. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. I came to Jenkins to do volunteer Bible education work, and then... Actually, I came to Jenkins the first time just uh, helping out a little bit with the ministry, and then um, we ended up moving because we really did fall in love with, like, the people. We were just blown away by the difference from being up north, like the difference in just being able to strike up a conversation with anyone on the street. So that's what kept us here. That was in 2011. Since then, there's been about 20 other people that I know that have moved down also and young people so that's been nice too to have other young people moving in from other areas so um, we do volunteer Bible education work just anyone that has questions about the Bible or wants uh, to discuss it or anything uh, we're with the local Kingdom Hall in Jenkins Jehovah's Witnesses so it's really enjoyable and then I also do photography and have a paint touch-up company so there's 
definitely insiders and outsiders that I guess come together and we have a good time and everyone's friendly. So that's that's one of the things that I was actually surprised about. I didn't know what to expect when coming down here, but um, I've met so many different people, really old timers that have been super welcoming as well as some of the younger folks too. So I'll, most people in the community would immediately know when somebody isn't from here, just from the accent, um, from ethnicity, from um, really anything, just even young people that they haven't seen around here before because everybody knows everybody. So now I actually feel a little bit more like an insider because I've been so welcomed into the community, but it's still like we're not from the mountains. So <laughs> so uh, I have all the respect for the people who have grown up here and that have stuck around and everything because um, a lot of people, especially a lot of the younger generation, has left uh, the area for different things, um, maybe faster pace of living, the things that they they see that they think they're missing out on. But actually, that's what I grew up with. So I've found it refreshing to be here with slower pace and um, really just enjoying the people and the company more than a ton of different things to do. Um, even though there's still things you can find to do, but it's not like being in a big city or anything. I guess it just started off, we're always encouraged to encourage to move to where there's a greater need for um, for ministers and things and um, wants to spread the good news, you could say. But we call it the Jenkins effect. It's like everyone just fell in love with Jenkins, the, the feel of Jenkins, um, talking to the people out in the ministry in Jenkins, the surrounding areas, the congregation, but it's not like we were all specifically assigned to come to Jenkins. The community, there's a lot of friendly, sincere people. There's a high regard for the Bible, so for the work that we do, we're volunteering our time to discuss the Bible with people and trying to really find people who have a sincere interest in learning the truth of what the Bible teaches. So there's a lot of people in the area that do um, really seem sincere. They want to know what the Bible teaches on different topics. So so that's enjoyable. There's also far fewer witnesses in this area than there is in most of the United States. Since there's so few witnesses, there's whole areas like South Pike County, it's considered unassigned territory. There's no congregation, so people come in from different states, different areas to to help out. And that's how my wife and I, Stephanie and I, ended up coming to visit South Pike County and then in turn moving to Jenkins. But since then, the congregation has, it's over doubled in size over the last six years. Um, I think people have had a lot of misunderstandings over the years and not really known about Jehovah's Witnesses because it's been a smaller presence in the community. So we are Christians. A lot of people don't realize that we are Christians. We believe that Jesus is the, the Son of God. A lot of people also don't, they think we don't believe in Jesus because we don't celebrate Christmas or Easter, but we do commemorate Jesus' death on the, the date that he died, according to the Bible. Um, but the reason why we don't do those other things isn't because we don't believe in Jesus, but because of the origins that aren't biblical. Uh, my name is Thomas Anderson. People call me Tommy. As of yesterday, I'm 27 years old. 
I'm from Pike County, Shelby Gap. I was raised there all my whole life, but uh, Jenkins is the nearest town that has a that had a grocery store. Right now, we're kind of in the transitioning to get a save a lot now, where there was three or four different ones before that. But uh, I teach in an after-school program over in Virginia, which we can see from right here where we're at on Main Street teach fiddle in the after school program over there in Coburn and Pound and Big Stone Gap. I'm the program manager at Pro Art Association and WISE currently. I am a mentor and I'm also a CASA volunteer. That's a court appointed special advocates for children abused and neglected in foster care and we basically advocate specifically for the child and as volunteers our report means a lot because we have no conflict of interest or anything there so I am investing myself in the youth of this area to help shape the future and I have the utmost faith that that will bear good fruit this place has a lot of worth I saw what it was um, in stories in the history of this place when it was booming and I think that really it wasn't particularly coal that done it. It was the people. And there's a sign on the highway that says Jenkins, Kentucky, a town built on coal. And I think that that could be revised to say Jenkins, a town built on the backs of hardworking people. Coal, black gold, black as midnight water, flowing through my memory and the shadows of my soul. You're listening to Mountain Talk on WMMT, broadcasting from the Apple Shop in Whitesburg, Kentucky. In this episode, we're learning about an app that leads users on a walking and driving tour of Jenkins, Kentucky, through the stories of nine local residents. Next, we'll hear more about the behind-the-scenes development and history of the app from Apple Shop-based project director Elizabeth Barrett and archivist Caroline Rubens. And as a barefoot boy, through the coal yards I would wonder, where could they be taking all that food? Coal, black gold, it's black as midnight water, flowing through my memories and the shadows of my soul. At 17, long since gave up her dreams. Oh, she knew I'd live and die here digging coal. And the coal miner's daughter was not the life she wanted. Like me, it's the only one she knows. Coal, black gold, black as midnight water. 
first of all, I wonder if you could dis- like describe what creative placemaking means for our listeners who might not know. Well, one of the motivations for um, for Apple Shop to be doing a project in Jenkins had to do with um, the notion, the idea that each place has its own unique characteristics. Each place has uh, a past and has a future. And so we were interested in uh, particularly what were some of the cultural assets of Jenkins. And so uh, some of the work was kind of getting familiar with that, hearing what community members had to say about their town and what they thought about it and what they might wish for its future. And so there was a lot of dialogue around that, a lot of it based on remembrances. Uh, Jenkins had a very diverse population. People came to work in the coal mines in Jenkins from really all around the world, and it had a very big population at one time and a real mix of ethnicities. And so so this project was helping to identify what's special to people there and um, and how to celebrate that, how to support continuation of some of the traditions that um, that ha- that you know people have here in this area or in this county even and in the town. Um, and so that was so so the images we used in the photographic banners, that we hung around on buildings in the town of Jenkins. They had been made by um, photographers for the Consolidation Coal Company. So it was very well documented, the building of that town, and they were very high quality images because they were doing eight by 10 glass plate negatives. And so those were up at the Smithsonian Institution in DC in in a archive. And so we were able to access some of those um, uh, of the really the the very early days of Jenkins, and we did a lot of engagement with residents through uh, participatory work on a mural. We proposed two murals in Jenkins, and so we went through a whole design process um, with members of the community, and then those um, people were involved in helping to paint these murals, and so that was very exciting, and they were. Um, they are in two locations that you can't miss them when you're in the town of Jenkins, and people were very excited to uh, be involved in that. And um, and then there was a third part uh, that we did, and that was a walking driving tour. So that was developed uh, through interviews with people who grew up in Jenkins and still lived in Jenkins, and um, and so we. There's a certain number you can walk to in uh, the town of Jenkins and others that you need to drive to that are uh, around the fringes of Jenkins. And so we're getting ready to launch the the app um, coming up in the 2018 Jenkins Homecoming Days. So it's an annual event at Jenkins, and this year will be um, the mural number two um, painting will be done and the um, this this app, mobile app. So the idea is to have people um, become more familiar with Jenkins and also to uh, have perhaps some growth in tourism. So this was another uh, another part of the project or activity that we did. Uh, cre- we created this mobile app. 
and uh, and people can with the smartphone you can um, drive in that area and be connected to the content which is images and audio so I guess I'm curious how you decided on Jenkins and maybe who in the community like were some initial people to think through the project with well I think one of the reasons we decided on Jenkins was because it was so well documented by the Consolidation Coal Company, uh, as Liz described um, visually through these photographs. The town had just celebrated its centennial um, about a year after, uh, before we started um, writing this proposal. The grant that funded all of this work um, one of the requirements was that there was buy-in from local government and the mayor of Jenkins, Kentucky, was very interested in working with us on this and, um, you know, was very interested in creative ways to explore the future of the town, which we think this project was doing. So um, all of that came together. Kind of, There were, you know, really rich resources to work with. There was enthusiasm for the project in Jenkins. Um, so I think that helped us settle on, on that town. And it's within the county, close proximity to Apple Shop, and that made it feasible. And, and some of the partners we had um, at Jenkins, there's a coal and ro- uh, railroad museum. And that was a former like superintendent of the mine when it went, uh, uh, it was multiple mines actually, but, um, and so he had collected a lot of, um, you know, memorabilia and just records of the operation of the mine, mines there. And also uh, there's photographs and there's other um, objects that are collected in this museum. And so that's downtown um, Jenkins and it's in the former depot when there was a passenger rail there. And so um, so there were uh, some of the board members there of the museum and the, the woman who's the curator. So they were very supportive. We worked with them. We also worked with the Jenkins Public Library. And so the librarian was really terrific and was familiar with Apple Shop. Uh, well, both of these women were familiar with Apple Shop. Uh, the museum person and the librarian and so that was a great um, being able to use that space the facility to have these community meetings and um, and her involvement uh, was really helpful Um, and yeah we did some with the school system a little bit as well we did a workshop in the middle high school at Jenkins and so they were very um, yeah, everybody was excited about what was happening, uh, it, you know, and we were also thinking because of the transition that the whole Appalachian region's going through that, you know, there was, part of it was honoring, um, you know, the heritage of this coal mining heritage that, that this community shares. <laughs> and so that was, we did... Um, you know, there's still a United Mine Workers of America local that meets in Jenkins. Um, you know, it was just the basis for the town really was coal mining, and and it was a very vibrant place. And um, and so now, you know, we we want to 
recognize or pay homage to all this work that all these coal miners did in this place and um and also you know um continue to kind of um understand what took place in jenkins and and what might be going on now um with you know challenges of mm. of um this area yeah and i th- i think um people are want to do both and is and, and how do you do both look to the future and honor the past without ignoring what built this town and where it came from um and not feel that um by looking at by thinking about change it's an it's an act of um dishonor uh, um against the past because I think at one event somebody where we were looking through archival photos and talking about Jenkins coal history somebody didn't somebody say you know I, I want to talk about the future I, I don't I'm not so interested in talking about the past anymore and but mm-hmm. so I think there's this balance um, wh- where you can carry the rich history um without being um stuck in it yeah mm-hmm. and how yeah. we can sort of draw on the history that we have access yeah. to in the right. many different stories of a place to think about where it's going right like right. That those can right. be important things to influence each other yeah yes definitely oh lord here i lay in the dark of the mines dying for scotia before my time my good woman's waiting knows not that she will be raising her babies along without me cause i'm under the hill in the bowels of the earth dying at scotia what is that word there be any mercy for miners like me what compensation for my little family? Could hell be hotter than the furnace I'm in? Any more painful the wages of sin? Never learned praying, don't reckon I will. The good Lord can't hear me from down under the hill. Under the hill, in the bowels of the earth, dying at Scotia. What is that worth? Can it be any mercy for a sinner like me? What compensation for my little family? The Jenkins app takes participants on a walking or driving tour of 14 locations throughout the town of Jenkins, narrated by the nine guides we met earlier in this program. For the remainder of this episode, we'll hear stories from the Coal and Railroad Museum and the Cavalier Cafe. This was built in 1921. 
obviously this isn't the original building, but this is the exact location where the Jenkins train depot was. This is the heart of Jenkins. If they had not been able to put this railroad here, they could not have got the coal out of here. And nobody in New York City or Boston or nowhere else was going to put any money to bring a railroad to Jenkins, Kentucky, until C.C. Mayo actually brought them back here, took them up on Raven Rock, right here above Jenkins, brought in chefs from the Waldorf Astoria. He took and showed them all these coal seams. Well, when he got done with that, there were two railroads that were fighting to get here first. And so that uh, that had a lot to do with this becoming a town. The coal had been here, and they knew it was here. They just didn't know how to get it out of here. It took them a while to get get the railroad here. By 1914, 1915, the trains, many tracks all over this town. They got connected. They were shipping the coal out of here. Jenkins was born. and just I mean, this was a wilderness. And in just maybe five short years, it was a modern city. They took the railroad tracks up. I'm going to say in the 90s here, and I may be wrong on that, but that was one of the saddest things I've ever felt, knowing they're taking these railroad tracks up. It's really over. The the coal business is really over here in Jenkins. That's one of the finer things in Jenkins (laughs) is the coal museum. You should go, no kidding. Oh, they have paintings, coal memorabilia, everything. It's wonderful. On the coal, they used to throw, it's a little silver coin, and it was consolidated coal, and it has the Cavalier on it, imprinted. And they used to throw those in the coal, then that way they would know where the coal come from. Number three, Elkhorn is the best seam of coal, probably in the United States, because it burns better, has low ash content. You can get high dollar for number three, Elkhorn. If you talk to any coal broker or anybody around here, you say number three Elkhorn, and they'd say, best there is. Well, we are at Days of Gears Coal and Railroad Museum. And when you step in there, you will see all kinds of paraphernalia relating to mining, tools, information, old script, old coins. Well, I like to look at those so carbide lamps, uh, breast drills, still in the 40s, when they would go to shoot coal in the mines, they took a breast auger, they leaned up against it and they turned that in there, and then tamped the dynamite. You talk about brutal labor. That was it. And the railroad went right through... <laughs> The back of this building, it's, of course, just a section of it left for old time's sake, and there's, there's nothing on it down that way or up this way, so. When we was at the depot, we know it was time to go home. The only time we was at the depot was when uh, the bus would uh, come pick us up. We, when we get out of school at 3.30, we walk downtown to the depot because the bus had already taken loads of kids already and to keep them from having to come back up and the teachers having to stay, they would let us come down to the depot. No, we wasn't on the same bus. We had different buses. We had a black bus and we had a white bus. (laughs) I just thought about that. Yeah, we had our own bus. We had our own bus driver, black. Yeah. He would bring us to school, and then he would come back in the evening, 
and take us home. We're in front of the old train depot, which was the train depot and, and housed the fire station at one time. The main end of the building where the bank is now housed the, the old 48 Dodge fire engine. And this place run way down. It, it got to where it wasn't really a place that you could use. They had Giovanni's Pizza in the upper end up here. They sort of kept the roof good and kept it going. And uh, Mayor Schubert uh, gathered up some grant funding to, to redo the building, and, and they put it back just like it was, and, and similar-style windows and roof. And, and they got an old uh, kitchen car from the railroad to put Giovanni's in. And uh, they built the museum, got it started, and, and that's how we got to here with this. This museum's got a lot of history in it, a lot of, a lot of stuff about uh, Consol and then Beth Elkhorn. And one thing that, that sort of interests me is, is all the technology that was invented when Consol in Bethlehem was here. Uh, you know, this in 1916, there's more coal come out of Letcher County than anywhere in Kentucky, which was a big deal, and this was a big part of it. But there was a lot of intelligent men come up with ideas to do things better and safer and quicker. Uh, I've been told the dust hog bit that they drill with is the same thing they use now was invented here. It was a, a better way of uh, drilling holes and being able to get the dust back out of the holes. It sucks it back into the machine instead of just flying all over the place and then breathing it. They tell some of that in, in the museum. So I want everybody to try to go in, and, and you can go in 10 times, and you always see something a little different that you didn't notice the last time you was in there. We're at the what used to be the Rexall drugstore, you know, I graduated in 65, and we couldn't even go to the drugstore and sit and eat. We could go in there and go up to the counter. Couldn't sit at the counter, but you could go to the end of the counter and tell them what you wanted. They would make your food, hand it to you in a bag, and you had to leave. You couldn't sit there and eat. We wasn't worthy to sit and eat in the Rexall drugstore. So there was a young man named Charles Reed. When Charles Reed was in the eighth grade, he was such a good ball player. So Charles decided he would go to the Rexall to get something to eat before the game. Charles went to the Rexall, and he sat down. Not good, but he sat down. After a little bit, the waitress came over and stared him down as to say, get up out of here. She said, you'll have to leave. Charles said, no, I need to eat. The waitress left him and went and got Mr. Eversole, the owner. Mr. Eversole came over to Charles and told Charles, you cannot sit here and eat. You can go to the back door, and we'll reach you your food out the back door. Charles sat. He would not move. He stayed in there until he got ready to leave. When he came out, he went across there to the uh, big store, and uh, he bought him a placard. I don't know what was on that placard, but he marched up and down the street with that placard. And that's why they called the police. He couldn't be no more than 14 years old. Called the police on this young man. The police came and got him. They questioned him, and he told them what had happened. And so they asked him who he played ball for. He said, Charlie Dixon. Charlie talked to the jailers, and they let him out. There was no mention, none ever mentioned in that school about that. They never brought it up. It was just like swept up under the rug. Now, when he played ball in the eighth grade, he was playing a game. 
One of the fans spat some nasty words at him. He kept playing ball. That fan came out of the stand. This is a 14-year-old kid. Came out of the stand and cold-cocked him on the floor. Wasn't nothing done. A grown-tailed man gonna hit a child just because of his color. Wasn't a thing done and it swept under the cup. Wasn't nothing else said. So, so many things were swept up under the carpet at that time. I'm using Charles because Charles had to come through a lot too. It, it was just like every year there was something going on with Charles. But time bring about a change. Thank God. <laughs> and it took a little while, but eventually, gradually, they start where we could go in and sit down. So then when everybody started sitting down, I did too. You can go in there and you can sit down. You can feel at home. You can order what you want, and they are nice. They bring it to you. They talk to you. Yeah, it's a whole lot different than it was in the 60s. I feel like I belong there. I sure do. I don't feel nothing, no more than I am a person. I am a customer, and they treat me like that. So, yeah, it has changed. It has changed. And, you know, nowadays they say, well, did none of that ever go on here? Oh, yes, it did go on. Where were you? Some of them were too young to realize, and some of the older ones act like it didn't happen. But it did happen. Jenkins was just like anywhere else. So we have always had to struggle. It's more undercover now. It's more hidden, but you can still feel it. I don't care how sweet you say it, prejudice is still alive. And it's going to be alive. But the things that have changed has made it better. And I'm thankful for that. Cavalier Drugstore, which is uh, right beside what used to be the, the, not the oldest hospital, but the second oldest hospital. They had a big humidor with all their uh, cigars in it and uh, that's where all the men in town that worked for Bethlehem and, and, and felt like their position that caused them to need a cigar would come get their cigars. And uh, a pretty neat place back then. They had bar stools along one thing and a counter. And a lot of people's been through the, the drugstore, and, and it had been here for years. It, uh, they had a fire on a Thanksgiving years ago, and I'd been on the fire department a little while, and, and we came down here and, and fought it the biggest part of the day and, and finally got it put out and got done and left and went back. Well... Uh, a friend of mine on the fire department uh, was a black guy. And I said, hey, where was you at? You know, we, we, we fought our butts off on that fire all day down there. And, and he, not real hatefully, but within a tone, said, you know, it wouldn't bother me if it burnt twice. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, when I went to school, you went to the back door and you asked for a hot dog. And if they wanted to, they'd bring you one. And I said, well, I understand what you're saying good enough. And we'll let it go with that. But ever since then, I can remember, I I've never, don't remember anything like that going on then. So that that was probably back in the early, mid-60s, somewhere through there. That's not here no more. That's gone. That's a thing of the past. But that was the issue when it brought home to me how somebody could feel. Because, I mean, I couldn't imagine that. And uh, when he told me that, I said, well, I don't blame you. I'd stayed home, too. Cavalier Drugstore. I remember... Like the first year being in Jenkins, coming to Cavalier a lot to get milkshakes. They got the greatest milkshakes in Jenkins, and 
It's definitely a social space. All sorts of different people from the community go in there to get food, but it's also just like always welcoming when you go in. You see different people, and the the staff there also is always welcoming. So it's more than just food, but they do have great food as well. <laughs> they got the Addison Burger <laughs> and other delicious burgers and stuff. The Addison Burger has cheese, bacon, and egg, optional onion ring, or anything else you want on it. People refer to it as the Addy Patty. <laughs> Building fire before daylight The kids are warm Everything's alright Harness the mule and check the line Pull another long day in the mine Setting ties and spiking track The top is bad Set the timbers and jack that's it for this episode of Mountain Talk, announcing the release of a new Letcher County app. Jenkins, a city built on coal, is a downloadable app that leads participants on a walking and driving tour of 14 sites throughout the town, guided by nine local residents. The project was developed by Apple Shop and the city of Jenkins in collaboration with local and regional artists and community members. Bruce Parsons from the digital editing agency Beekeep developed and designed the technical side of the app. And Benny Becker recorded and edited the oral histories. The official launch of the app is this weekend during Jenkins' homecoming days from August 23rd to 25th. If you'd like to hear this or previous episodes again, you can find them on our website at WMMT.org or on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Music on this episode comes from Nate Polly's recently released album, Headed Back, which came out on Apple Shop's own June Apple Recordings this spring. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening to Real People Radio. Grab a pick and shovel Dig another load of coal Dig another load of coal